Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bears fans, it's always good when the pod starts off with us laughing. You can never know what happens behind the scenes. What's going on? We got a Wednesday edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat, the designer in the building, joined by Jason McKee, as always, on a Wednesday. J-Mac, we got some good stuff to talk about today. Yeah, man, I'm excited. But before we start, let me let me get ready. Hey, it's OTA's football season. Let me get ready. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We got the helmet on. We got the helmet on, J-Mac. Here we go. Now, now I'm ready to do the show, man, having, having some flashbacks. Oh, man. Well, listen, uh, the, here's, here's the thing about the uh, – now, now I'm upset because yesterday you was coach. Today yep. you back to being player. My quad still hurt out here from doing <laughs> uh, doing ladder drills in the office. So, I mean, listen, we, we, we're we really getting into OTAs out here. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, on today's episode, man, we got so much to get into. Jalen Johnson is back and talked, so we definitely have to break that down. Uh, what does he think about his kind? contract situation and was it really a holdout we'll talk about that also eddie jackson getting back into individual and team drills love to hear that we'll break down a little bit of what we saw from him and what the players are seeing on the field getsy's looking at this offense like it's getting better and he is excited everybody seems to be excited by this office yeah that helmet got hot real quick didn't it you guys can hear me it might be an echo it's already (laughs) echo in my house so i'm sure it's gonna be an echo within the helmet (laughs) it's because you got all that space in that house man you know what i'm saying nfl good house good don't worry about it and then uh we got a little comparison for justin fields that is not for the love of God, it's not Jalen Hurts. We got to stop doing comparisons like this, where it's just like he runs and is of similar size and stature. And so I'll just say that's him. No, we got to stop doing it like that. I think we have a better comparison than that. All that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Let's jump straight into this thing, J Mac. First quarter is here. First quarter. And in this first quarter, Jalen Johnson is back back and had a couple of things to say about why he was missing did come out and, and let people know listen it, it wasn't a holdout I just had other things that were going on uh he, he was with his daughter we had heard that of course he also had his camp that he holds every season uh but it, when he talked about his daughter you know he he broke it down in the sense of I can I, I have to spend this time with my daughter. I'm putting being a father first in these situations. Yep. Uh, I think we have a cut up of what he said on that one, don't we? Yeah, let's play that. I'm close. Nah. Nah, nah. That's not. No. And I thought if anybody knows me, that's not that's not my character. Um and I think at the end of the day, for for me, me, I won't even say hold now. I mean, just having prior prior priorities. Um, and at the end of the day, everybody knows I have a three-year-old daughter back at home in California. And I mean, I'm a dad before I'm anything else. Um, before I'm a football player, before I'm anything. I mean, I'm, I'm a dad 
first. So, I mean, I don't get to spend too much time with her in the, during the season because she's back at home in California. So, me in the off season, I take I take pride in being a dad. I'm not just a any old type of dad that just comes and sees her kid whenever. Like, no, I'm present. I'm spending time. I'm putting my heart into my daughter. So, when it comes to the off season, I, I take that serious. And I think that I communicated with that to the coaches, and they understood and hopefully respected it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be there for my, for my daughter. And, I mean, because they can find another corner. My daughter can't find another dad. So, I mean, I take, I take pride in that. So here's my thing. The question that they asked, by the way, was, was he holding out for a contract reason? Um, and here's, here's my question to you. I love that he's being a dad. I'm not going to lie. I have uh, almost two year old daughter. She'll be two this month and spending time with her is the greatest thing that I do at the end of the day. But from the football standpoint, when you're talking to the coaches, when you're talking to the people in the building, do you think that this is still okay, yes, you have your daughter, but you should have been here in the beginning of this? Or is it, right, I communicated this with my coaches, it's not a big deal at the end of the day? Yeah, it's a unique situation. Um, you know, I know voluntary, OTAs is voluntary, and we talked about this before. With him not being there and him saying that he communicated his absence with the coaches mm -hmm. prior to taking their leave of absence, and if the coaches knew that, obviously, from what we heard, they never commented on it. Uh, they said they were only going to talk about the guys who were present at OTA. So, you know, we, we don't know his situation. And I don't like right. to, to say things and speculate things. We don't know his situation. You know, it may be a time frame in which he's, you know, allowed to spend time with his daughter. And I get that. You know, I'm a father and you're always going to be – I'm a person who's family first oriented. Uh, you know, I just know at the same time, you know, when, when mandatory-wise, when you're required to be with your team, you have to be there. And, you know, the coaches have families too. But at the same time, you know, they have a job uh, responsibility and obligation to be there. And, you know, I know he, he communicated that OTAs is voluntary. So, hey, you know, he's going to spend time with his daughter is voluntary. He's here now. Um, and, you know, hopefully his impact will be, you know, be great because, you know, we got a lot of young guys in that secondary that we added this offseason. And his presence is definitely definitely needed to accelerate uh, to accelerate that growth process. He talked about his contract situation. I think that, right, like, listen, whatever it was before, uh, the fact that he's here now, cool. I don't think that you, I don't think that it's a holdout situation if you show up to the third week of OTAs, right? Like, like you're not holding out for two weeks and they're going to be like, all right, I'm here. Like, that's so that's not that's, I don't think that this is a holdout situation at the end of the day. I do think that maybe it was a hey, listen, you know, I thought we'd be further along in this and I got other stuff going on that I'm going to prioritize above this because at the end of the day, I might not have a contract next season and I'm not risking anything else. But he says that didn't come into play. It is what it is. All I can do is take him at his word at this point. But with that contract, he does go on to talk about his play, what he's done to this point in his career. He said that he doesn't have to do much. He just has to keep going out there to be him to get the contract that he's essentially looking for. My question to you is, what kind of contract is he looking for? Is he looking for number one TB money? Because in your estimation, has he done enough to just go out there and play the way that he's played and be paid like one of those top DBs? Yeah, every player wants to get uh, maximum value, you know, in terms of dollars, in terms of what their performance is. And his is a unique situation, you know, one career interception. Um, but he also went on to talk about in that presser that, you know, if you look at his play and style of play last year, he was a guy that followed the number one receiver. Mm -hmm. So he said when he ranks his tiers in terms of cornerbacks in this league, he said there's different tiers in terms of 
the cornerbacks that follow a number one receiver, the cornerbacks that just excel just in the type of scheme or system that don't flip sides, they just stay on one side of the ball. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's something without me knowing right now, I'd have to go back and, and look at the number one receivers that he faced. I have to go back and look at film and see, you know, how much he moved around uh, and how much, you know, productivity that those number one receivers had against him. Um, but when you have a guy that can follow, you know, uh, the number one wide receiver around and shut down that number one wide receiver, I mean, those are the guys that's going to definitely uh, command top dollar. And me, you talked about this before we got on the air. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys. You know, that's why I think the Dolphins yeah. brought him in uh, to go along with that great secondary they had there. Um, you know, obviously back in the day, Deion Sanders was one of those guys. Chan Bailey was one of those guys. Um, Charles Woodson was one of those guys early yeah. on in his career. And those guys got paid top dollar. They were true number one corners because they excelled at, you know, man-to-man coverage, locking up the number one uh, offensive receiver, but also they could play within the scheme. So they had scheme versatility in which they can do a, a, a variety of things. And the more versatile that you are within your scheme, the more uh, a defensive coordinator can put you in different places, uh, the more value you can and the more money you can command in terms of your contract. So you know, I think that's something that, you know, the Bears are going to look at uh, with these contract negotiations. I find it interesting that uh, they asked him as well, do you have an agent? He says he doesn't have one right now but he's going to hire one. So yeah. it also depends on the agent he hires. You know, yeah. some some agent, you know, they want top dollar regardless of what his stats are and the way he's the way he's being used within that scheme. So I think that's going to have an effect on it too. Uh, the, thing that, the thing that I like about it is, you know, in terms of what he said, he's not worried about it right now. Contract will get done. He doesn't plan on holding out. Uh, that remains to be seen. Training, training camp has not opened up or kicked yeah. off yet, but – in terms of him, Pat, in terms of him, you saying that he just has to go out there and do him and continue to get better for himself. Um, I think if he wants to help maximize the earning potential that he has, he has to continue being a leader and elevate that secondary around him. You know, it can't just be Eddie Jackson. I think he has to be one of the leaders yeah. uh, of that secondary and of the defense as a whole. I, I think here's what I what... – when I look at this, right, and and not to say that I think he is the top of the best, the best of the best, right, but I do think that he's a good cornerback. I think he's an above-average cornerback. I don't think that he's a great cornerback. Here's what I look at when I see things like this, though, right, when you say, I can just go out there and do me. What is it that you're doing? I understand. I, I like the, right, the past breakup numbers and all of the advanced analytics that I can look at, but guess what? On the flip side of that, I can look at the fact that uh, in the first game that you played against Justin Jefferson, he had 12 catches, 154 yards. I can look at the fact that A.J. Brown had 175 or 180 yards, right? Like, I can look at multiple games like that just last season. And again, right, like, I, I think the tough part about Jalen Johnson is that when we ask this question, the people who are the loudest defenders of, of him being re-signed and you got to re-sign this guy and he's one of the best corners in, that, that, we, that we have on the team, that doesn't mean that he's one of the best corners that we are going to be able to get. I look at guys like, like I, I'm just throw some names at you, right? Jalen Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Is there a question that he's a good corner? Do you have to look at the deep analytics of it that he's a good corner? Stephon Gilmore, Patrick Sertan, Darius Slay, Jair Alexander, Tra Trayvon Diggs, right? Like, I just, like, when I say those names, it's just, oh, yeah, I, I remember he, he was killing that. He shut that guy down. He got a pick there. He made this play, yeah. right? Like, I can't do that with Jalen Johnson. 
And I think that's my biggest question mark, especially when he says something like, I just have to go out there and do me. What is you? Mm-hmm. Because I can point to the games where there's a ton of yards on your head top, especially last season, because last season more so he's following players around. I can point to the games where, um, you know, the the past breakups didn't show up. I can put but I can't point to a ton of those games where I'm like, he killed the man on the other side. of But I think in this situation, right, you and, and what they're going to do is when they're evaluating this and when they're, you know, in contract negotiations, they're going to bring up everything. So they're going to look at analytically they're going to go they're going to dive deep into it and say okay Justin Jefferson had over 120 yards receiving against you what percentage of the time were you lined up directly against Justin Jefferson what percentage of the time did you you know how how much did you follow him around the field that those are the things they're going to look at AJ Brown of those 180 yards that you had you know how many of those catches and those yards was on Jalen Johnson you see what I'm saying like regardless those are things that you have to look at when negotiating a new contract because you have to get a true value of what a player is worth in order to determine, you know, what type of contract he's going to get. So, you know, all those guys you mentioned, the Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander's, what percentage, you know, are those guys truly moving around and following that number one receiver? Or are they yeah. just playing within a scheme? You know what I'm saying? So that's it's hard for for it's hard for me to answer that question without having looked at all the tape from yeah. last year on Jalen Johnson or even through his entire career because that's what the Bears is going to do when they're when they're coming back to the contract table. You know, they're going to go to the defensive back coach, Coach Hogue, and they're going to say, what is your assessment of Jalen Johnson? They're going to go to Coach Williams. Williams, how value is Jalen Johnson to the secondary? You know, all of those things is going to play a part in determining what type of contract that Jalen Johnson is going to be offered. When you're looking at your number one DB, what are you looking for your number one DB to do? Because the pass breakup numbers are impressive for Jalen Johnson. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and, and act like they're not right. Like he he's a really good guy. There's a reason they basically didn't throw the football at him his second year in the NFL. You know, last season they they went away. They went towards him a little bit more because he had somebody on the other side that was just basically more competent than uh, <laughs> who was that rookie year? Was that Kendall Vildor, his rookie year, his second year, one of those? Yeah. Where it was like, hey, man, you might need to stay in the slot, bro. Like, it's, it's getting ugly out there. You know what I mean? No disrespect, but a lot of points. Uh, but I, I yeah. think, right, like, when you're looking at what your DB does, what is the stat that you're looking at that says, I got to pay this guy? For me, it is the takeaways, right? I think of, you know, top DBs, and of course, these are tops all times, but like, I think of Deion Sanders. I think of uh, 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 Revis Island. I think of the guys who, yeah, they were covering your number one guy, but they were also getting takeaways anytime you threw the football their way, or they were getting takeaways a good chunk of the time. You don't even have to go to the best of the best. I think of Jalen Ramsey when he was playing uh, at a really high level and, and at his highest level, you know, he was covering guys all over the field and getting takeaways. What's your measurement for your number one DB on your team? Yeah, correct. I think within this, within this defense, right, style of defense they're playing is similar to the one that you know, I faced on a daily basis because it's similar to the one that we had when I was here. You look at the corners we had and, and Nate Basher and Charles Tim. You know, mm-hmm. what do those guys excel at? Takeaways. You know, Nathan Basher, his nickname was an interceptor for a reason. Look at Charles Tillman. He was, you know, getting takeaways, but he's also out there forcing fumbles with the peanut punch. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it for sure. You know, we want to obviously one in your career is, is, is going to be a knock in terms of, of the contract that you're going to command and the contract they're going to want to offer you. But You've got to go back and look at his body of work as a whole. You know, all that, all of that, all of that has an impact on what he's going to get. Talk about the pass breakups. You talk about, you know, him playing the normal receiver. Is he truly shutting down 
you know, that number one receiver when he's lined up directly against him? You know, what percentage of snaps is he lined up against his number one receiver, you know, throughout each entire game that we played throughout the season? So all of that is going to come into play when this new when this new contract uh, comes about. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Because it's like I th- I look at the Justin Jefferson situation. First game kill kills right destroys the Bears. Right. Second game, uh, four receptions. Yeah. And I remember like being like, wow, he's really you know he's really playing Justin Jefferson well in this game. And so I think that you know maybe you take that and you say, listen, the first game they got ahead of me, I learned from it. This is how mm-hmm. the, the second half, second game goes. I think there are some of those uh, scenarios there. Um, that you could look at, but I think this season is going to tell you a lot because now, right? Like, I think we look at this DB room and we feel that this DB room is vastly improved. Depth may not be there at the cornerback position that we're looking for yet, but there, there's a ton of improvement in this room now. Uh, Kyler Gordon gets to play his natural position of the slot, which is basically where I believe he got two of his three interceptions last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to add Tyreek Stevenson in, who I think is going to be a really, really good player. Great length. I hope that, you know, that that pans out a lot quicker for us. I, and you've got your backline help with Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. I think that you're going to now take a step. I'm still looking for the picks, though, at the end of this season. Like, I'm still looking for that guy that's a great takeaway guy. Because I think that that's what the defense, or, or what Coach Flus is, entire principle is built on. Yeah, exactly. It's hits. That's exactly. what the T is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, guys get paid a lot of money, right, in this league defensively, one, to get sacks and 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 to get takeaways. And yeah. another another thing that that you look at it, too, that that's had an impact on the secondary is a lack of pressure that yeah. we've been able to get up front, you know, being able to get with this, this defensive line. You know what I'm saying? So now this this defense is predicated on getting pressure with four. You know, if you're not able to get home with four – that puts a lot of stress on the secondary. So, you know, who knows, you know, how the Bears are going to evaluate that as well. It's a lot of things that go into it. But without a doubt, you know, I agree with you 100% that, uh, you know, defenders in this league, they get paid to get sacks and they get paid to get uh, – they get paid based off takeaways. And, you know, that's that's his principle. They want to – they obviously practice takeaways. That's a big part of it. And, you know, he's got to improve in that aspect. But like you said, he's he's – you know, he's the best – yeah, I don't know. Right now, he's the best corner with the, the most experience on the roster right now. Um, we don't know how Tyreek uh, Stevenson is going to pan out, but I know with him being there, that's, that should elevate the play of everybody, along with the presence of Eddie Jackson back in OTAs. I know we're going to talk about that later yeah. in the pod, you know, the impact that he had uh, uh, being a mentor to Jaquan Brisker, but also the way he carried himself, the way he was vocal, you know, all of those things helped accelerate the growth of Jaquan Brisker his rookie year. And, and Jaquan, obviously, he talked about that uh, today during the press conference as well. Yeah, no, well, let's get into that, man. If you, before we do, though, make sure that you guys uh, hit that like button, sub to the page. And if you let us know how you guys feel, man, let us know in the comments below. Um, do you think that uh, Jalen Johnson should be paid as our number one cornerback on this roster we'll be down in the comments talk with you guys as well got a ton of content on the channel as well all four shows of the on the espn 1000 radio make sure you're tuning in with those and of course monday through friday a new episode of the chicago bears podcast so stay tuned with us man let's get into this second quarter though second quarter as we jump into this next topic eddie jackson is back yeah and that's just good to hear you know oh, yeah. eddie's Eddie's, Eddie's really been working hard to find his way back. I loved 
what we saw him. I feel like we saw him finally be able to play his position again last season. We've seen a couple of years of him. I think two years, he doesn't end up with a takeaway. Some shady calls in that as well, by the way, though. He had a couple of pick sixes, and they was just like black in the back. Stop it. Come on, dog. Like the, ref's been, the ref's been hating on us for a while. It's all good, though. Uh, it's not. Fix it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's good to see Eddie back on the field. And we did hear uh, Jaquan Brisker talk about Eddie Jackson and what he was, you know, as a as a leader and uh, what it means to have him back on the field. He just talked about how great of a leader he was, how he led by example, how he was able to go out there and basically, you know, like Jaquan was just like, all right, I'm going to just do what he do. You know, what what does it mean to have that guy when you show up? that you can just have as that focal point and right. What do you think it means to the bears to have him back? It's huge because he's the quarterback of the secondary. And with, with you have a rookie playing alongside you, like Jaquan Briscoe was last year, he's able to help Jaquan get lined up. If Jaquan has, you know, if he's unsure about a scheme or a call, he's able to get him lined up and make sure he's doing his job properly. I mean, it's like having a big brother, a mentor, uh, somebody that you can learn from each and every day in the building. You learn how to be a pro. Uh, from a pro and that's what Eddie Jackson is but you also have somebody that you trust that can help you you know understand this defense to accelerate the learning curve of a new defense you know coming to a new scheme and you know I saw that firsthand here with Mike Brown you know Mike Brown was that way and you look at the safeties that that Mike Brown helped mentor you know Chris Harris was a was a young guy that came in and had a lot of playing time and Mike Brown was a part of his his growth and maturity uh within the defense um you look at guys like, you know, Brandon McGowan was another guy who who had some snaps at, uh, at safety alongside Mike Brown. And Mike Brown was a mentor for all those guys. So when you're comfortable having a leader next to you, uh, but just not on the field, but in terms of every day you're around that guy in meetings, you know, you're around that guy during lifting, you're around that guy off the field. And as a young guy, as a young rookie, you see how he carries himself. You see the preparation that he, that he puts in on a daily basis to go out there and to excel and to be at his best, but also not just to be at his best, but the way he leads the team, the defense, and that's gonna, that's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna try to model your game out that like that. So, you know, I think it's good that he's back, continuing to do the same thing in terms of mentoring Jaquan Brisker. Uh, Brisker is a guy that has a lot of ability and a lot of talent, has a high ceiling. You know, had a good year last year, but you know, w- with the way the excitement that I've seen him. Uh, display during that press conference, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, he had a quote of the day. I mean, he said, look, <laughs> use me at free safety, strong safety, use me down in the box. He said, use me, you know, blitz me, whatever. Use me like soap, like dove soap. Use me. Use me. <laughs> is, so that, is that a new nickname? Is dove, that a new nickname? Dove Brisker. Dove Brisker. Dove Brisker. Are we- dove. Brisker. <laughs> dove. Hey, you got to get a sponsorship out of that, right? Like, you got to – Dove's got to be calling the Bears right now. Like, hey, man, we got to get this guy some soap. If you send – if you Dove, you send Jaquan some soap. Send me some too, man, because I'm, I'm – I'm a patent the nickname, Dove Brisker. So send, send Jaquan some soap too. <laughs> you go patent it? Send me some soap too, man. Hey, man, they got they going to send you soap for the name. They're going to be like, you can't have his name, but you can have his soap. That's all yeah, we got for you. Like, oh, fullbacks don't get soap. You guys are dirty, nitty-gritty. You don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just, I, I loved Jaquan. And, and it's so funny to hear, right, because all we've talked about this offseason is how he led the league, lead, league or I'm sorry, led the Bears in sacks. Um, but... That's not what you want. Meanwhile, Jaquan's over here at the podium like, no, yeah, that's what I want. Like, yeah, no, like put me in the box. Like, I want to do anything it takes. And I think 
Jaquan to me is such a a inaugural inaugural piece for this uh, Chicago Bears team because when I look at what he did to turn Eddie Jackson back in, it, they they used the term all offseason blue chip players, right? Like you got your players that you can't get rid of, you can't move on from. Eddie Jackson coming into that coming into the last season was not a blue chip player. He was a guy that we were like, wow, like we another guy that Ryan Pace overpaid. We're going to have to eat this contract. He's going to be here two more years. It's going to be tough. Jaquan Brisker allowed him to become a blue chip player again. I looked at Eddie Jackson last season, and I really was just like, wow, Like I don't know where this guy's been for two years, but I'm so glad that he's back. I'm glad that he's able to play a position that he's comfortable with. And I've talked about this at nauseum this offseason and in OTAs. The fact that these guys have the ability to play the position they were drafted to play is going to do so much for us. I don't know if it turns our team into a Super Bowl team or it turns us into a perennial playoff team, but I'll tell you this. It helps if you brought me here to play the slot and you don't go, hey, I need you outside. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but it also helps when you have that scheme versatility to where like Jaquan Brisker, right? And you look at him, he's like that that tool you get from the hardware store that, that you can use that tool anywhere. Multi-bit. Like he's a universal tool to where he, yeah. can, he can cover, right? He can blitz, he can play to run. Like you can put him anywhere within the framework of that defense and you can trust that he's going to do a good job or he's going to make an impact play. And that's a defensive coordinator's dream when you have a guy that you can just say, hey, you know what? We need more pressure. Let's bring him off the edge. He can beat a running back one-on-one and get to the quarterback. He showed that last year, you know, leading the team in sacks. You know, right. let's put him, you know, can we line him up on the slot from time to time? And can he, you know, be effective in man-to-man coverage? You know what I'm saying? So when you have a guy that can do a multitude, a multitude of things within the defensive scheme, that's that's a dream for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, and I think that that's – I mean, listen, I, I look at this defensive setup here, and I, I feel I, – I keep saying this. I'm excited. I'm excited about what our backfield looks like. I I think the question marks is just on the front, but like even with that, I I think we're going to be a really good run stopping team. And I think when you're really good at one thing, it often trickles over into other stuff because all of a sudden you're just very very confident in what you're doing on the field. So hopefully we see that continue, keep on going. Uh, he also talked about Tremaine Edmonds, who he just said has been being very vocal. Uh, and is huge. He's like he looks like he's six eight on the field. He, <laughs> he is. I, so I had an opportunity. I met uh, Tremaine Edmonds during the the draft party down at Soldier Field. Okay, and uh, you know I had a chance to sit and talk him uh, for a little bit, and we took a picture together. And I'll tweet this picture out. And you know I'm five eleven, six foot ish. You know yeah. I like to say before the combine I said I was six foot, but at, during the combine when they measured me, I was five eleven. So you know they mush your head down. <laughs> So 5'11", but this dude, I'm telling you, I was like looking up at this guy like, wow, I'm like, this dude is, is taller than I thought. I mean, he's probably, they say 6'6", six, six, but dude is tall. I mean, he's he's every bit of whatever they list him at, maybe even more. But the thing that he brings to the table is a guy who's uh, uh, been in this type of system, you know, a guy who's had success within the system, obviously they're in Buffalo, but similar system is why the Bears brought, uh, brought him here, uh, had over 100 tackles the last five years. Uh, every year he's been in the league, but he can get people lined up. You know what I'm saying? We talked about Eddie Jackson being the quarterback of the secondary. He is the quarterback of the linebackers in that front. He can get those guys lined up, especially you got young uh, defensive tackles, 
he can get those guys lined up. And that's a lot of what Brian Erlacher did, made sure guys were getting lined up. He's communicating. He's communicating to the guys on the back end. You know, a guy that has that ability to be able to diagnose plays before they happen, but also to get you lined up to make sure that we're in the right scheme, we're in the right defense based upon uh, the formation or what the offense is presenting. It gives you uh, that much more of a chance to be successful. Uh, so when you don't have that, there's a lot of confusion on the field. You know, guys yeah. misaligned, guys are running wide open. But when you have a guy that can be the quarterback of the defense as a whole, like Tremaine Edmonds, but also has the athleticism and ability to make plays, you know, that's that's infectious. You know, I know guys, when when Erlacher made a play, Briggs wanted to make a play. When Briggs, yeah. Briggs made a play, Peanut wanted to make a play. And when Peanut made a play, uh, Nate Bash wanted to make a play. You know what I'm saying? It was all, and, and that's infectious. When guys are making plays, you don't want to be the guy when they turn on that film and that quarterback and that coach has that clicker clicking <laughs> and you ain't out there making no plays. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to be you don't want to be that guy. You want to be the guy that he's circling with that red dot saying, look at this play right here. Look at Briggsy right here come downhill. You know what I mean? Look at his drop by Erlacher right here. I mean, look at Tremaine Evans right here. Look at TJ Edwards right here. You know, yeah. what I mean? that's what that's a great defense, man, because you feed off of each other. But when you can help each other. You know, be right in terms of being aligned and things of that nature. You just go out there and play ball, and the takeaways will come. I I, I love the fact that we're hearing about him being vocal, right? Because yeah. I think that's the question mark that we had where, okay, what kind of leader is he going to be? We knew it was a leader. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, you, you knew in Buffalo that he was a leader. You knew that he was a guy that he was going to be able to go out there, make plays. He was going to tell you, okay, you need to be here. We need to do this. But a lot of guys are leaders by action. I think when you're taking on that middle linebacker position, or correct me if I'm wrong, you have to be a vocal leader because if you don't have that vocal aspect of it, you're you're not putting guys in the right position. Am I am I off on that? Or like I, I don't know too many middle linebackers that weren't the most vocal dude on the field. No, you're correct. I mean, you you look at most teams, right? Their middle linebackers, what he's calling plays. You know, what yeah. I mean? so you can't go in a huddle and and call a play and look unconfident in terms of calling the play or or look unconfident that the play that's called by that that coordinator is going to work. You know what I mean? you got to go out there with confidence, but you have to be out there making plays as well. Like, in order to be a leader, regardless of position, regardless of, uh, you know, you have to go out there. You have to be – to be a leader, you have to be the best player. Not the best player, but you have to be the best example of everything that's going on, right? Right. you got to be the hardest-working guy. I'm a leader. i got to be in that weight room got to be the first one in, last one out. I got to encourage guys to get in there. You know, I've got to encourage guys to stay after practice. If we need more practice reps, I've got to have the ability to say, hey, you know what? We're not practicing well right now. Let's start that period over. That's If you're a leader, that's the type of examples and that's the type of of, uh, of leadership and, and things that you have to command on a daily basis if you're a true leader. And that's what the Bears need. They need guys. They need true leaders, guys who are going to take that responsibility when things aren't going right. When adversity hits, you know, they take that adversity and they say, you know, what, we're going to take this adversity and we're going to turn it into opportunity, an opportunity to get better, an opportunity to learn from the mistakes that we've made in practice today, an opportunity to learn from the bad game that we had last week. Let's take this as an opportunity to get better so that when we go out there uh, this this upcoming Sunday, we don't make the same mistakes. You know what I'm saying? That's the type yeah. of leader that uh, this Bears team has been longing for, in my opinion, for, for a long time. It, it's yeah, it, it's so good to come into a season and have that fixed point already, right? Like I I look at seasons past and we've come in with question marks 
at that linebacker position. Not saying it's Roquan or who it is, right? Like Roquan was the fixed point, but like there's so many answers now, right? I know Jack Sam. Again, I go back to this, knowing where guys are going to be slated, right? Like maybe there's going to be a push from Noah Sewell, but I know Jack Sanborn's going to be there. I know TJ Edwards is going to be there. I know that Tremaine Edmonds is going to be there. Those guys already know what positions they're going to be playing. I'm the Sam, I'm the Mike, I'm the whatever it is. That, to me, I think gives the Bears such a step forward. And I hope that it's going to be the thing that really pushes them to the uh, to the win columns this year. I need wins, man. I, yeah. I don't care what else. I love how Luke Getzey said it. They're like, how's that? And we're, and we're going to get into that as well, headed into this you know next quarter, talking about Getzey and what he saw, seeing from the offense already. But, I mean, when he said, like, <laughs> Justin Fields is – improving and they ask him, okay, but do you want to see him run less? He's like, I want to see more wins. Justin wants to see more wins. I just need some more wins. That's all we're looking for, man. Let's keep this thing moving along. It's halftime, J-Mac, and uh, halftime is a time where we can uh, talk about anything, say anything, except Zion Williamson. We can't talk. Can we talk about Zion Williamson? <laughs> can we talk about oh, Zion Williamson? Did we leave that one alone? Are we going to leave that one alone? All right, man. I don't know I, on, on that situation. That's tough, man. <laughs> Yo, you got to <laughs> relax, dog. That's all we going to say. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, all, that's my comment. Don't, wow, that's wow. all we going to comment on that one right there, Zion. But, hey, they said to go. Gun- but was good. That's all I heard. But uh, nah, J Mac, you got anything for halftime this week, man? That won't get us in trouble with the bosses. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, a lot of college camps taking place. Uh, my son and a lot of his teammates are headed to to North Central College Camp. It's a mega camp, so a lot of schools are there. A lot of coaches are in attendance. Uh, North Central's a, a program who's who's had a lot of success. Um, they they do a good job. A lot of good camps. A lot of kids will get a lot of offers uh, based upon their performance at this camp. So looking forward to see how our guys, uh, you know, our, how our guys perform at this camp. Uh, high school football is the summer camps are kicking off. So in high school, you have to call it summer camp because it can't be summer practice, but it really is summer practice. So this is a valuable time in which we're trying to get our teams ready. You know, we're trying to gain a competitive edge against our opponents. So, all the high school coaches out there, best of luck. You know, I hope you don't have a better camp than us. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the college, uh, high school coaches do a lot of things. So a lot of work goes into it. But the excitement is there. We're ready to get started. You know, you see your guys throughout the offseason. You see all the running, the lifting they're putting in. But now you get a chance to go out there you know, on the practice field and, and to see, you know, what type of gains that they've had um, in terms of their strength, uh, you know, what, how, how they're going to mature within your system. Uh, this will be another year offensively for us that we're going to, you know, have pretty much the same system, uh, made, made some changes here or there. But uh, it's just exciting to see the growth of these kids. You know what I mean? You're around them more than their parents. And they put in a lot of work. Uh, Coach staff has done a great job. So I'm excited to get started. Don't get fined out here, dog. Out here, uh, it's called saying it's not practice, but it's practice. Like, don't, don't, don't get in trouble from the IHSA. IHSA is tough, man. They, they, they tough, you know, they're real tough. But the good thing this year is I love what they did in terms of this year, we're allowed to have joint practices. So we've, got a, couple, we've got a couple of joint practices scheduled with a couple of teams, and uh, it's a good opportunity. It breaks up the monotony of every day practicing, lining up against your own teammates, but now you get to go against another team to get some high-level work, some high-level competition. And yeah. 
it's just a good way for these kids to, to compete and to to meet other players. You know what I'm saying? You meet some other guys, you build bonds there. You never know uh, that guy on that opposing team that you're lining up against could be your roommate next year in college. So uh, you never know. So it's just good all the way around. I, I like the fact that I just say it's growing and giving these kids more opportunity to get better. Got to love it, man. Got to love it. Also want to send prayers to all the people in Quebec. Want to send love to all the people out in Canada. Thought of fires going on. I saw that they postponed the mm. White Sox game today because the air quality in New York from all the smoke coming over is insane. So prayers to everybody out in New York, man. Uh, hope that hope that everything ends up, you know, it all gets taken care of. It's wildfires. I don't know, you know, if they figured out how any of this started yet or anything, but just sending love from the Bears podcast to everybody out there, man. Real talk. So let's keep this thing moving right along. Uh, let's get into the third quarter. Third quarter. As we have Luke Getze, who was talking at the podium. And I got to tell you, first off, this clip is actually going to be the real clip, right? But I got to tell you this about what I heard from Getze when he's talking about the Chicago Bears offensive line and the improvements we're seeing already. I am excited. Let's play that clip. Example of something you're seeing out there now that you didn't see a year ago it illustrates how much progress this offense has made. Oh, there's a ton. I mean, geez, you talk, I mean, you could just probably take the protection game in, in, in the beginning part of it, right? This, the, the how quickly the guys are adjusting because the defense has given us looks that we're not preparing for, right? So usually going to game and you're preparing for particular fronts, particular pressures, particular whatever, right? and and so we we're just trying to play by our rules and we're trying to to learn the reason why and react the way that we need to accordingly. And so those guys, um, seeing how, how quickly they're responding from where they were last year has been really good. And and then just the way that our meetings go, right? If you talk about just the, the conversations that we have in the meetings as opposed to talking about, you know, why this concept's named what it is, we're talking about the details of uh, and diving deeper into what it is. And so, you know, those two things are probably the two things that stand out. I will say this until the cows come home. It's good to hear good things from OTAs because you can hear a lot of bad things from OTAs. <laughs> I love the like it's all right. It's all it don't matter. It don't matter. No, you know when it don't matter? When your quarterback's not overthrowing wide receivers by four yards. It don't matter when the defense is getting through on every play. J-Mac, are you taking any excitement from this? Are you sitting here like me and saying that it's good to hear this about the O-line already? It's, it's good because, like we said, with Justin Fields, second year in the system, it's the second year for the offensive line too. So, like Guess he said, the protections aren't foreign to them. They're not, they're not just trying to understand or what is the name of this protection, right? They understand that protection, but now the coaches can overcoach the details within that protection, right? And what he's talking about in terms of rules and – Rules are very important in O-line play in terms of, you know, if you may go into a game and you're expecting a four-man front, but you get an odd front, now that changes your rules in terms of that protection and how you're going to block it. So with them with them having, you know, being overcoached the details of all these protections, that's going to imply uh, growth. And that's the growth that he's seeing right now. So guys are understanding where they're supposed to fit in terms of the protection now. But when the pads come on, you're going to understand who you're supposed to have and where you're supposed to be. But now, fundamentally, when the pads come on, you know, do you have the fundamentals to execute that protection? Do you have the fundamentals to pick up that, that defensive end 
or to pick up that shade or that three technique. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or that, or in that protection, if that linebacker is blitzing and he's, you know, your responsibility in that protection, do you have the fundamentals to execute that block? So those are the things that, you know, it's one, it's, it's to start the foundation piece is understanding where you're supposed to be. The second part is, you know, do you fundamentally, are we developed enough to get it done? Can we block it up now phys- from a physical standpoint? So it's good to hear that that first part is taking place in OTAs right now, obviously non-contact uh, practices. And then, you know, and Getsy kept saying in that press conferences, uh, we, we want to hit the ground running in July. We want to hit the ground running in July. So one, what he means by that is every, he wants everybody to understand where they're supposed to be within this offense, the details of, of this offense, whether it's pass protections, whether it's uh, past concepts, but come July when we put the pads on, I want to hit the ground running and start executing this from a physical standpoint and fundamentally being able to execute uh, what we're trying to install. No, yeah, and I think a lot of people, when they look at the the OTA process, they think it's just the, you know, it's just getting getting moving again. It's just getting your body. No, like, He's not implementing scheme right now, but he's making sure that everybody is on the same page, which is why when you hear Coach Flus and, and Coach Getzey talk about OTAs, they talk about it as invaluable information. Yep. Uh, the other thing that the, the other person who was missing that I think probably can benefit the most from this is Nate Davis. He's back today. He's back in the system. He's, he's uh, uh, um working with the team, working with Justin Fields, and I think most importantly, right, working with Darnell Wright and Cody Whitehair. Um, is there going to be kind of a catch-up process here, or is it just you show up and you start fitting in where you fit in? Or, you know, I, I'm assuming he wasn't sitting around doing nothing, right? He's probably talking with the coaches and all that while all this is going on, but, right, like, he was another guy who, and I think the question still remain, at least, like, Jaquan, or, um, Jalen Johnson was just like, nah, I was just chilling with my daughter. Like, I wasn't holding out or nothing. Like, where the heck has Nate Davis been for two weeks? And, and even when you heard Getsy talk about it, he's like, listen, it's voluntary. He's back. Let's move forward. Yeah, he also said that he, he came back and showed up in shape. He showed up lean. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, back wherever he was, eating flaming hot Cheetos or something like that. He was he was working. You know what I mean? And, and it goes back to even Jalen Johnson. He said even though he wasn't there, he was a part of the Zoom meetings in terms of the yep. install. You know, he, he was in communication with Coach Hoke on a daily basis uh, to make sure that he had a grasp and understanding of what they were doing at Hallis Hall while he was away. And same thing for Nate Davis. I think the two the two main things are, you know, him building that chemistry with the, with the guys around him, building that bond with the O-line. And I've talked about it a number of times in terms of the O-line. Like, they're, they're their own, like, brotherhood. Like, that's their <laughs> own fraternity. You know what I'm saying? Like, those guys – are always with each other. You know what I mean? And 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 they're really, I mean, the offensive defensive line is the heartbeat of the team. So yeah. when you have one cohesive unit, regardless if you if you're that starter, if you're that second uh second string guard, even that third string tackle, like you gotta have that bond. You gotta have that cohesive unit. You gotta have that chemistry to be able to to know the guy next to you, know what you're gonna expect from him, but also having that chemistry to say, hey, you know what? And you know we made a mistake. You're not playing well. Let's step it up. You know what I'm saying? You got to have that type of brotherhood and that accountability amongst that group if you want to be successful. So uh, those are the things that, you know, I think Nate Davis has to catch up in terms of that. He has to know the guys that he's playing with because it's a different room. Uh, in terms of his ability, uh, he's been in this scheme before, so I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to pick it up fast. He's been a pro in this league for a while, so I think he'll pick it up. But he has to also be aware that, 
you know, even though I'm one of the new guys, I have to be one of the older guys because I still have guys in, in on this offensive line that's young who's going to be counted upon this year, Darnell Wright being one of them. You know, I have to help accelerate the growth of him, even though it's both our first year in Chicago. You know, yeah. those are some of the things that the coaches are hoping uh, that, that comes about because that's going to accelerate everything that they're doing in terms of understanding, you know, the scheme and the fundamentals. So like Jesse said, come July, we're hitting the ground running because come July when training cat comes, the installs is going to get stacked upon each other. So they're going to start out with a base install. Then day two of training camp, you're going to have to know everything you had to know from day one. And they're going to add on day two. And it could be the third week in training camp. And they may, they may be calling a day one install play. And you got to know, it. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they're not going to they're not going to they're not going to slow down in terms of what they're installing. They're going to keep installing what they want to get uh, what they want to get done in terms of their offense. And it's up to the players to understand to know those details of every concept and to be out there and execute the, their job fundamentally in order to give this offense a chance to be successful. Yeah, you, when, when you talk about hitting the ground running, I I want to see this offensive line not just be cohesive with each other, but it's like Cody Whitehair talked about when he found out he was going to be playing center early, right? He mm -hmm. now gets to build that relationship with Justin. He gets to figure out what Justin likes. He gets to figure out how Justin's moving. I, I look at what uh, Luke Getzey talked about a little bit today about building not just the on-the-field stuff, but the camaraderie, the off-the-field stuff that goes into that as well, right? Like when you when you're talking about the brotherhood or the team aspect of it. That's the part that goes into it as well. And, and these guys have all been a part of winning teams who spend time with players off the field and, and all of those things that go into that. So I like that Nate Davis is here again. I, I still like, I'm surprised he didn't speak at the podium today. I guess maybe people don't want to speak to a right guard that much, but would have been good to know, you know, what's going on with you. Was it just like, you didn't feel like being here. You came in lean, you came in working, I guess who cares at the end of the day? It's like Lance said the other day. Lance was like, are we going to lose games at the start of the season because Nate Davis wasn't here at OTAs? Right. No, but <laughs> it'd be nice to see him. I'm just saying. It's good to see him. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, let's get into this fourth quarter a little bit. Fourth quarter. Because I think we have a little bit of a different comparison. By the way, let us know how you guys are feeling about both of the topics. We just talked about, drop that in the comments below, talking about the offense, what the offense can do, how the offense is improving. Because we do have a, a conversation on how the offense is improving when it comes to Justin Fields. At the end of the day, the offense is going to improve based on what Justin can and or can't do. And when you look at this offense, I think that there is a comparable to a player not named Jalen Hurts. I'm so sick of that comparison. <laughs> like, I think people want that to have, and it's like, I'm not going to compare him to the dude that just went to the Super Bowl last year and was second in MVP voting. Like, I'm not going to compare him to that guy, but I do look at a guy who, to me, similar build, similar throw. Well, I don't know about similar throwing style. Well, maybe a little bit similar throwing style, I guess, if you look at it. Willing to use his legs. I know people don't view this guy as a running guy. Runs a lot. Uh, maybe not as much as Justin, but does run the ball a lot. My comparison for Justin Fields and the leap that I hope he takes with new weapons, very much like how this guy got weapons, is Josh Allen. When you look at what Josh Allen did with Buffalo from year two to year three, J-Mac, do you see the similarities in what we hope Justin Fields can become, especially with situations? Definitely. And, you know, this is year three for Justin. 
Uh, year three for Josh, he had the same offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball. So he's got a year up on Justin in terms of as- that aspect. This will be year two for Justin under Luke Getson. Yeah. But you look at the numbers t- for Josh Allen in year three, over 4,500 yards passing. Uh, he had 37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, 170, 107 uh, quarterback rating. So the main reason being, and yeah, that was Josh Allen just maturing within the scheme, within the offense, having it be his third year in the same offense under Brian Dayball. But the one thing that they did get, they brought in Stephon Diggs as free agent that year. And that was Stephon Diggs' best year, if you recall. Stephon Diggs had over yeah. 1,500 yards receiving that year. Yeah. You know, and, and in his no. play, yeah, he was a dog. He was a dog. He was a dog. <laughs> his play, you know, also, we look at it, too, in terms of we talk about weapons and we talk about you know players being their second year within an offense. Well, that year was Dawson Knox's second year Yep. In the offensive system with Brian Dayball as well. This year will be Cole Komet's second year under Lou Getzey in his offense. So you look at there's some similarities there because during the same system, you added a piece. You know, they added Stefan Diggs. Uh, that was back in 2020. We added DJ Moore this year. So you give Justin Fields a true number one. You know, you've got a tight end who can make a lot of plays. And, uh, you know, they talked about him as well, Cole Komet being versatile within this offensive system, meaning that. They can move him around. You know, he can block. He can catch. He can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It'll be his second year in this system under Getsy as well. So we're going to see a jump. And uh, we should see a jump uh, statistically in terms of what he's going to be able to do because the familiarity is there with him being in this system for the second year. So I, I do see a lot of comparisons. You know, it's it's we should see a jump. We got him better weapons. We've addressed the offensive line. Second year in the system. You hear uh, Jaquan Brisker in a clip that we played a little too early <laughs> in the show talking about the chemistry between him and DJ Moore. You know, let's play it, it again. Let's play it, it again. It, it was a good clip. Good enough to play it, twice. Let's play it one more time. <laughs> that chemistry going very fast, uh, earlier than I expected. Uh, they look good, though. They look like they best friends. Uh, Justin's definitely throwing him the ball. Two's getting the ball for sure, no doubt. So um, Justin looks good, though. He's going through his progressions. Um, he's looking very smooth. Um, making good decisions out there, looking like um, best quarterback, you know, in the NFL. I thought that last year, but this year, it's different for sure. One looked different, and him and two, you gonna see, you gonna see. <laughs> Just excited, man, and, and Jaquan was excited that whole press conference. I'm not gonna lie, but when you hear that, that first off, the one-two punch, like I'm, I'm trademarking that. I'm getting shirts made. Good, I'm doing good. everything on that one-two punch. Got to be a, punch. One come two on, punch. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on now. I'm drinking the one-two punch this season, baby. Come on now. <laughs> orange, that's that orange Kool-Aid, man. One, two, two. <laughs> one and no, two. I just, I, I look at these Bears offense and hearing. What it, it's almost like this is my favorite part about OTAs preseason or uh, um you know at post draft all of that is everybody just keeps doing this one like they're so excited about what's coming, but they don't want to say it because they don't want to jinx it. It's just like yeah man, listen uh we we got a long way to go, but y'all y'all just watch just watch. like it like nobody wants to mess nothing up because I feel like everybody looks at the offensive history of the Bears. But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of dudes just going, "Hey, y'all seen Just? Y'all, y'all didn't even see Justin." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you should, you should. It's crazy out here. Uh, dude, I, I love what I'm hearing about this about the the combination of 
Justin Fields and DJ Moore. DJ Moore was very honest when he came in. He said, listen, we got to build this chemistry. It seems like three weeks has really done that for this team, according to some of the plays, some of the highlights we've seen, how DJ Moore has been running, how how Justin's been throwing the football, and then, of course, right, just the connection that those two have. The thing I love that he says, he's like, DJ getting the ball. There's no question who the number one is. <laughs> right. Right. The chemistry is there. He said it's like they're best friends. Right. And that's what you want. You know, that means, hey, you know what? They're probably hanging out, you know, away from the facility. Um, Justin's getting a feel for how DJ Moore runs his routes on a daily basis. Every time he lines up on that field and, and DJ Moore's now wide and he's running around, Justin's gaining a grasp and understanding on, you know, how DJ Moore does things. So, Therefore, you know, Coach Getsy talked about right now they're 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 teaching things conceptually, meaning concepts, and they want to you know teach things fundamentally in terms of having the fundamentals to execute whatever concept that they call, yeah. and it's all about timing and, and things of that nature in the passing game. So Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the rest of those receivers right now, you know, not it, with it being a non-contact practice, you know, timing is everything. They're working on timing. You know, he's understanding. You know where his chest pieces are, and we talked about this before. And that chemistry and that bond is going to become stronger and stronger. And you know, come July when they start adding more things and more pieces to this offense, and they start understanding, you know, what more things that DJ Moore can do. Because just because you know these scouts scouted him and they brought him here as a free agent based upon what he did in Carolina, you know, he may be able to do things that you didn't see on film, things that Carolina didn't uh, didn't do with him, or the way. They didn't utilize him within that offense. And you may find things that you can use them within your offense that you didn't see on film when you brought him here as a free agent. So there's things that they're learning about these new players each and every day. There's things there's, they're, they're still learning about Justin Fields each and every day in terms of his growth and maturity. And now they say, you know what? He can go out there and execute that route concept. We didn't call it a lot last year, but now we see he has the growth and maturity to be able to do some of the things that we held back on last year because we may have thought it was too much. And now that you have a receiver that can do a lot of different things in the passing game with the ability and the talent that DJ Moore brings, you know, they can add more pieces. They can do more things. But like we said right now, it's all about, you know, teaching and development and understanding right now. And then being able to to go out as you progress each and every day to really harp and overcoach the details of whatever you're installing on a daily basis. And and that's what these coaches right now are trying to trying to focus on. They want their players to develop. You know, they want to overcoach the details of each and every day of, of whatever they're installing and then be able to go out there on the field and execute whatever they're calling fundamentally. Yeah, and I, I look at how the the coaches are talking about, right, how he's getting better fundamentally, how his foot, yeah. how Justin's footwork is better fundamentally, how he's going mm-hmm. through his reads better, how he's attacking better. And I'm I'm again back to the Josh Allison comparison, right? That's how Josh was talked about, how Josh was looking when Stefan Diggs showed up, when an offensive line is standing in front of him. And then, of course, that next year, he ends up putting up 1,500 yards more than he did the season before. Now, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to have that kind of jump, right? Like, I'm not sitting here telling you that Justin Fields should go from, you know, 70, 80, 110 yards passing a game to all of a sudden he's a 300, 400 yard a game guy. But what I'm telling you is that there's pieces in place that now I look at Justin and say, okay, what can you really do? I look at the offensive line. Okay, is it going to be perfect? Probably not. You got a rookie right tackle. Things probably aren't going to go as smooth as we're thinking right now. 
I hate to say it, but at some point, somebody's going to get dinged up. Somebody's going to miss a game. There's going to be guys in and out. It's football. That's just what happens. How do you adjust based on that? But the guy standing behind those guys is really, really good, and he's a really good athlete, and he's got really good athletes to throw the ball to this season. And I think that that's what makes the difference, right? Like, how many plays did Justin Fields make last season with his legs where he's trying to get away, get something to keep the play alive? I mean, we're eight, nine seconds into the play. He throws it to a guy that finally gets himself open, only for it to be a drop. Yeah, and I think the one thing that, that I loved what Getsy talked about today is right. He said there were times that Justin ran last year in which he shouldn't have. And regardless of the outcome of the play, like he may have ran and, and broke 50 yards for a touchdown, but he wasn't supposed to run on that play. Yeah. And he's teaching him those things and he's showing them those things. Like despite the positive outcome of that play, you were supposed to go here with the ball, but because your instincts took over and you have the ability to break a run 60 yards and outrun the defense, we got a great result of that play. But as a coach and as somebody who's here to develop you, I have to show you, right, where you could have gone with the ball. But the caveat to that is he said, Pat, he said, I will never try to make him a robot. I'm here to refine him. Oh my but God. I'm never – I'm not going to turn him into a robot to where telling him, hey, Justin, I don't care. When I call this play, you got to stay in the pocket. Because now if you do that, you take away his natural ability. What's Justin's ability? He's a playmaker. I don't care what you say. You can talk about it. He's a playmaker. The yeah. dude makes plays. So you want him to be true to himself, but at the same time, in terms of uh, uh, being a coach and, and, and guys who are here to develop him, you've got to show him the good and the bad. But at the same time, Justin, I'm never going to tell you not to run. I'm never going to tell you to don't have your natural instincts take over. I'm never going to tell you don't go make a play. At the end of the day, right, this game is about results, right? We need you to make plays. Three, three, we're three and 14 as a team. We didn't make enough plays. We yeah. need to be going out there making plays. So I love the fact that, that Gessie, you know, he said that I'm here to refine Justin. I'm not going to turn him into a robot. It's so funny because the second he said that, the first thing I thought about, I went back to Mitch. I know, pull the Band-Aid off, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> he played here. We're having a flashback right now. It's a tough moment. Remember when Mitch said, I wish we could turn off some of these TVs? Like, to me, that was the coach saying you need to like the coach. It sounded like the coach was like, listen, stop watching the TV. Stop watching what people are saying about you. Go out there and just make plays. That's all we need you to do. But Matt had already like broken this kid and turned him into the robot that we ended up getting here in Chicago. And so he goes out in the press conference. He's like, I wish we could turn off some of these TVs. Like, what the heck does that mean? He did, He was so lost at that moment. Because of just either overcoaching or undercoaching, as we found out after Matt Nagy went back to Kansas City, just kind of blowing the kid off. But I, it, like that was the moment that it took me back to of don't make this kid a robot. Don't try to turn him into the guy, right? Like I, I think of Mitch as they tried to turn him into the guy that just stands in the pocket and is going to be a pocket passer that sometimes can run. And he just wasn't a good enough quarterback to do that. I hope that Justin Fields can be a better quarterback than that. But at the same time, I don't want Justin Fields standing in the pocket, getting his head taken off because he's trying to sit here and make this throw. I swear some people would rather see that. Like it blows my mind. Most would be like, he shouldn't be running here. I'm like, well, there's a 400 pound man coming right. off the edge. Just trying to kill him. I don't know if you see that or not. <laughs> right. I mean, if you, if you know, if you look at today's quarterback, right, the dynamic has changed so much. We talk about the elite quarterbacks in this league, right? 
they have the ability to do what? They have the ability to impact the game with their arm and their legs. Yep. Josh Allen on the cover of Madden. Why? Not just because he's the best passer, because he can impact the game and he's a playmaker. How many times have we seen Josh Allen, you know, protection breaks down, receivers not open, take off and jump over somebody and, 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 or run somebody over and get a first down? Yeah. Quarterbacks in this league have to have the ability to extend plays with their leg. They have to have the ability to manipulate the defense with their eyes, and they have to have the ability to be able to put that ball where it needs to be, whether it's a tight window, whether that receiver's wide open, you need pinpoint accuracy. You've got to be able to do all of those things if you want to be a franchise quarterback. But the one thing that remains constant in terms of all the great quarterbacks in this league is you've got to be a leader and you've got to be a multiplier and you've got to be the, the hardest working individual in that building if you want to have success and if you're a true franchise quarterback. Those are just some of the ingredients that make up a franchise quarterback. Those are some of the things that GMs look for when they're evaluating these quarterbacks on film, when they're going to have these interviews with these quarterbacks. Those are the things that they're looking for. You got to have all those things if you want to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, let's. I think Justin has all the intangibles to be. I think that they believe he has all the intangibles to be. It's good to hear good things out of OTAs when you look at what Justin Fields is building, and hopefully this Bears team keeps the good times rolling, but it is OTAs. We all feel good right now, except maybe Buccaneers fans. Buccaneers fans might not feel that good right now. That quarterback, that court, I'm a, I, I wanted Kyle Trask to be good. I was like, when he, he was like second in Heisman voting or something like that. I was like, man, my man's going to be a dog when he get his chance. But I saw that boy overthrow that man by like seven yards. I said, ah, man, you ain't learned nothing from Tom. Tom didn't teach you a goddamn thing. <laughs> let's, hope they stay, let's hope they stay. Uh, you know, I know it's OTAs, but I hope the struggle continues because we are going to see them this season. Yeah. So let's hope, you know, they don't have it figured out by the time we go down to Tampa and uh, play them. I ain't that worried about the offense. That defensive line still scares me. I don't care what nobody say. Muzz, like, hey, Tampa's a, a cakewalk. I'm like, ain't nothing cake about that defense. Dog. There's no cake on that defense. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, man, we appreciate you guys for showing love. That's another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure you guys hit that like button, sub to the page. Let us know what you think of the Justin Fields cop to Josh Allen. Make sure that you guys hit that like button, like I said, and leave a five-star review on the podcast platform. As always, man, it's your boy Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Joined every Wednesday by Jason McKee. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace. Bear down.